Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the Leesburg Talk podcast. You're about to listen to a recording from our midweek Wednesday night teaching. Uh, we started the series two weeks ago, uh, a very biblical Christmas. And tonight we're going to talk about angels. Uh, what are angels? How do, how do they engage with the world around us? Uh, what's their nature, their origins? Where did they come from? Where are they going? All that stuff. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. If you're interested in the show notes, uh, you can check out the details of the the pod in the pod, podcast, and you should have a link where you can download those show notes. Or if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, John Welch, here at Leesburg Christian Church. Enjoy this podcast. Enjoy enjoy this time. And if uh, as always, you're welcome to join us in person on Wednesday nights from six thirty to eight p.m. while our student ministry is meeting in our original worship center. Uh, God bless. Take care and enjoy this teaching. Bye bye. Well, <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Hey, this is week two of a very biblical Christmas. We've been looking at uh, kind, of the, kind of the Christmas story. We started last week looking at the genealogies of Jesus. And Sammy and I thought it would be fun uh, to maybe look at this Christmas story maybe from a new perspective. You know, it's Christmas time, and, uh, you know, some of the, well, just some of the things we do at Christmas time. Uh, uh, center and focus around the idea of angels. You might have an angel on your tree. Uh, Hark the Herald, angels sing. That's his name, Harold. Harold, yeah. <laughs> There's all. Oh, no, no, uh, okay, stop. So, um, so, so we thought it might be a good opportunity to to talk about angels and 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 kind of do a, a little study on angels. Now, several weeks ago, we did. Um, um, uh, how to study the Bible um, uh, uh, classes, and, and we talked through the process of studying a passage of Scripture. Tonight, what we're going to do is a little different. We might call, let's say, remember when we did the exercise with the commandments, and we did like first commandment, second commandment, third commandment, and we were looking at, okay, what's Moses writing, and why is Moses writing this, and who's he writing to? So, so that's biblical theology. Uh, 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 now we're going to look at something. Uh, here's the big word for the night, systematic theology. And the idea is looking at the Bible as a whole. And, and instead of asking what did Paul think about, you know, grace when he wrote this in Romans to the Roman church, uh, instead now we're going to say, well, what does the Bible as a whole teach about angels? And so this is kind of a different type of it. Exercise. Yeah, and out of curiosity, and I'm very serious about this, have any of you ever felt like that you had an experience where maybe an angel was involved? I'm very serious about that, yeah. Do you mind sharing real quick? It's because you had the beer in your hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could have been catastrophic. Yeah. 
You know, those experiences are, are fairly common uh, that people have. Um, you know, and it makes you really wonder about, um, we had one of our staff people today that said that uh, during a very intense time of grief uh, when someone died, um, she felt a strong hand, strong, not light, on her shoulder. And when she turned to see who it was, there wasn't anybody there. You know, that kind of thing. Um, I think that those experiences, you know, this is why John is is kind of opened that up the way he did. This is a little bit of an abstract thought here yeah. because it's uh, it's very it's a very mystical subject in some regards because while we have quite a bit of information about angels, we don't have a lot of information That's about right. angels in terms of how they're still working and intermingling with society today, although we can affirm one thing. They are. We know that from Scripture. Yeah, we, we know that from Scripture. The, the, the strange thing that I observe is that uh, while we know that from Scripture, sometimes, well, you know there's a disassociation often from what we say we believe about Scripture and how we actually believe and what we actually believe. And so uh, I, I think the topic of angels and, and demons have kind of been like the strange cousin no one wants to talk about. You know what I mean? Like... They'll come around and maybe you'll talk about them every now and then at Thanksgiving and Christmas, but otherwise you want to put them in the closet and not talk about it because it's, it weirds you out. And I think that's how we, uh, we often deal about the topic of angels. Uh, but what's interesting is how often the Bible talks about angels. And for some reason, I, I think we'll talk about a couple of these reasons, why I think sometimes we kind of disassociate and we think, okay, yeah, angels, and we don't really deal with we don't really think about it on a day-to-day level. And so th- that's kind of where I, I hope we'll be today. When we look at the, the Bible, were you going to say something? I was just going to say in Scripture, you, just what you said, uh, there's 274 references in yep. Scripture to angels. 165 of those are in the New Testament. Um, 34 of the 66 books have angels working in them. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting yep. to throw yep. that out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we look at the Christmas story, of course, you, you, you all are familiar, and, and help me, help remind me, uh, where in the Christmas story, when we think about the, the nativity and the Christmas story, where do we hear and see or are introduced to angels? You all know the story. When Gabriel tells Mary, yeah, uh, and, and then Joseph and, and, and Matthew, uh, Luke's, Matthew's account, right? Uh, what other angel appearances do we have? Shepherds, yeah. Hark the herald angels sing. Shepherds, no, that's not right. Um, yeah, shepherds, they appear to the she- shepherds. How many appear to the shepherds? I don't know, a great multitude, it says, right? Um, uh, where else do we see angels in the nativity story? What about with Elizabeth? Not quite the yeah. nativity story, but Zachariah. connected, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with, uh, uh, yeah, we see them all throughout the, the nativity. We see them really all throughout the life and the ministry of Jesus. And we'll talk a, a little bit about that. You know, here on the screen. Oh, please work. <laughs> here on the screen, we'll see a, a couple of them. Now, the birth of Jesus took place this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. They were coming together. She's found to be uh, with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a good man, resolved to put her away quietly. But an angel appeared to Joseph and said, you're going to have a son, Jesus. 
Uh, and this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. This is the, the redneck paraphrase. Um, uh, we, we see that in the first chapter of John and, uh, of Matthew and chapter 2 of Matthew. Uh, now when they had departed, this is a, a, neat, a neat one. When they had departed, that's the wise men had departed. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph again and said, Rise and take the child and flee to Egypt. This is probably one of my favorite uh, aspects of the nativity story. I've really been chewing a lot about on angels this past week, and this one stands out to me uh, so big. I mean, think about this. Herod, Herod gets these wise men and says, Hey, go find this king uh, that's been born. And so they go and find him. And then they, they're warned not to return the way they come to tell Herod. And so Herod uh, is angry at, at these wise men, and he, and he declares what? He says, hey, look, I'm going to get my troops, and we're going to go throughout, and we're going to find every child two years or under and kill them. Um, and, and Matthew again points out here, this happened uh, in order to fulfill the, uh, the what the scriptures had said. Can I throw in a thought there? Please. It's interesting because I know that's one of your favorite stories, but when it says the angel of the Lord did that with them with Herod's threat, mm -hmm. What's interesting is when you skip over to Acts and Herod gets struck by an angel of the Lord, I wonder yeah. if it's the same angel. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he dies by being ate up with worms and all that stuff, yeah. you know, it's like crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about, a, I just wonder about that, you yeah. know. wonder if it's that same angel, yeah. <laughs> you know. And again, I mean, you've got to ask yourself, well, what's, I mean, this is off topic to a degree, but what's Herod's motivation for killing this, this baby? Right, he he's heard about these, you know, this king, this king, this king. Now, what's his motivation? Listen, if we think that it's only just a, a, a man issue with Herod, we're mistaken. Yeah, there's a there's a, there's a, 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 a cosmic battle going on uh, in this nativity story, and, and of course, as we know in our lives as well. You know, we start off the question of you know, have we ever experienced angels in our in our lives, and uh, and I'm sure, you know, Scripture teaches us that we, we encounter angels without even knowing it. They're ministering spirits. Uh, you might not even know. Um, Hebrews 13, 4. That's a great little yeah. verse. Yeah. yeah. But, 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 but at the same time, we also, while we think about angels, we also have to, if angels exist, demons also exist because they're the, the same. Right? And, and I... I and, and so have we encountered demons? Well, certainly we have, uh, and maybe not even known it. Uh, I, Luke 2 here, an angel uh, 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 appears to the shepherds, uh, and, and suddenly it says there, uh, suddenly there was a, a great multitude of angels or heavenly hosts praising God and saying. Have you ever uh, noticed, I think only one time in Scripture are they singing? Two? Creation, according to Job. Creation, uh -huh. and when he comes back. New creation. Yeah. So new creation and, and new, new creation. creation. Every other time, uh, the angels are Say. saying, which is yeah. interesting. Um, Glory to God in the highest peace on earth among those whom he has pleased. Uh, 273 or 74. <laughs> and actually, there's more, uh, but that's just the, the undisputed references to angels. Right. There are other references, some count up to the 300s, references to angels throughout the Bible. Uh, but some of those are disputed. So 273 or 74 undisputed uh, references to angels. So why don't we study about angels? Uh, we'll go through this real quick. One of those is a response to rationalism and science. We, because of the Industrial Revo Revolution and, and, and just the shift in our society over the past several uh, uh, decades, uh, specifically decades, uh, 200, 300 years uh, perhaps, uh, we have 
shifted away until the idea, the thought, the belief of these invisible floating deities or whatever, or uh, spirit beings, is, is kind of scoffed at in our society today. Um, our culture has become indoctrinated by the occult and the study and the preoccupation of demons. You know, I think that's one of the, that's, I think that's huge in our, in our world today. Um, uh, I could go on a tangent about that, but, but I think that's a, a definitely a, a thing. We, we are preoccupied by demons, and we find and we, we make room for the things that we, that we focus on. And I think there's a dangerous trend in our society and our culture to focus on the occult and, and demonic things uh, uh, because we open doors to those things and potentially shut doors to others. There's probably more that could be said there. Um, there are a couple uh, stories there in your, in your handout that we're not going to take time to go over tonight, but I encourage you to read those uh, because there's two accounts there, one from World War I and one from a missionary over in uh, the, um, off the coast of Scotland in the Western Isles, and um, uh, two really fascinating accounts of, of angelic activity or provision, uh, which is kind of neat. That's uh, uh, well-documented. Uh, I think that's kind of a neat thing. I thought I'd, I'd give that to you so you could kind of check those things out. Um, one of those stories talks about the, the, the um, missionary in the Western Isles and, and how they were surrounded and the, the tribal people were dancing and shouting out loud and they wanted the, the missionaries to come outside and they were cannibals. They were going to eat them. A wild story there, and, and it reminds me of a passage in Second Kings chapter six, uh, when the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha, rose early in the morning. He went out and behold, an army of horses and chariots were all around uh, the city. And the servant said, "Alas, my master, what shall we do?" He says to Elisha, "What what should we do? We're we're surrounded. There's a huge army. What are we going to do?" And Elisha, if you remember his response, he says, "Hey, look, uh, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them." And, and the servant of of, of Elisha says. <laughs> Where? <laughs> Where? Uh, it's, it's just me and you. And, and Elisha prays, and he says, O oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw and beheld a mountain full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What a fascinating story. And that kind of resembles one of the stories that you see, actually two of the, both of the stories that you see in your handout, which I just think is kind of neat. Uh, uh, there is a cosmic world around us that, 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 that we often don't, acknowledge or see, and I think uh, it's about time, uh, about time we do. There, there are a lot of benefits of studying angels and ac angelic activity. Um, one of those benefits is that it shows us the, a new view of God's creative power. Uh, it shows us a new view of God. Yeah, as we study God's word, we get to know him more, and I think as we study this and see the vastness of this topic, I've struggled this week. You've got 12 pages there in front of you. Uh, there are volumes that could be filled. Uh, Sammy was making fun of me earlier for being a geek, uh, and it's true. I've had so much fun the past five days putting this stuff together, um, and within me, it's it, it's just swelled up a, a, a new excitement a, 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 and passion for the Lord because I, the more we see him, the more we understand his word, the more we see his, his power at work, uh, it, it changes us. Uh, secondly, we see that God has dispatched these angels not only to serve him, and this is big for us, not only to serve him, but also attend to us in their service to him. 
what we see throughout a biblical uh, understanding of angelic activity is that uh, they exist to serve God, to worship God, but also they are dispatched to serve us in their service to him. And I think that's, there's comfort in that. Uh, and this will also force us to study the Bible. Uh, if all we know about angels is found within the Bible, then in order to understand angels, we have to study the Bible, and that's one of the benefits of the study. Uh, here's the big thing we must wrestle with, though, for, for most of us. We have to wrestle with this question, do I believe the Bible to be true? N now, we, we might be tempted to quickly say yes, but we have to really struggle with that answer. Do I really believe it? Because here's the thing, the Bible says uh, undisputedly 273 or 74 times, uh, in references to angels. In our, in our scientific world and culture, it's, it's taboo in a way. And so do I really believe the Bible in this, studying this question? Can uh, I, can I insert that? something here? Absolutely. Uh, one of the interesting parts of this for me is that one of the consistent things all through the Bible you will see that whatever God does correctly, Satan tries to mimic it in an incorrect fashion. Every, right. every single right. time. What's interesting that I see now going on that our generation is affected for the first time is that while it was always scoffed at before, now science is flipping it around with credibility and saying what is really going on here is a description of ancient aliens yeah. interfering and guiding this world. Th this is the theory now that is being propagated by society. In science, they are saying that we are not alone in the universe. They've always been watching over us. The chariots of fire and all this explanation was the best terminology that they could use to describe aliens overseeing. I mean, they say this with sincerity. If you've ever watched any of these shows, you can vouch for it. I know you've watched several. And it, it, but whatever God does in one way, Satan tries to mimic in another way yeah. so that. Because it's hard to argue with experiences. So when you had all these people who have had these experiences, religious and non-religious alike, then science goes, well, there's got to be something behind this. So there must be portals. There must be, uh, you know, that, that's the big thing they're talking about now. There's all these portals all over. If you ever w watch the, um, the ranch, Skinwalker Ranch stuff that's going on out west, I mean, they've got scientists out there probing the ground and digging up and all this stuff. I just throw that out because I want you to know that that Satan is as subtle today as he was in the Garden of Eden, and we get really bought in quick, and you got to be careful and yep. watch yourself. And, and what the world or culture or scientists or whatever might call aliens, who's to say they're not angels? angels. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've been saying that We, we ought to be careful not to completely discredit the scientific community. Maybe they're right. They're just using a different term. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me of a, oh, I'm going to butcher the story, but it reminds me of a story of a missionary I read uh, in college. There was a, oh, and I'm blanking on the name, but there, there's, a there's a passage in the Old Testament where the name of God rumbles throughout, and it says the whole world heard it. Uh, and I remember reading the story about this missionary who goes to this unreached people group in the 1040, 1040 window. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, starts preaching Jesus, and the people are like, we, we we're not interested in Jesus. We pr we preach, and it was some derivative of a name of God. And so, as they investigated, folk their their religion taught that many many years ago, 
the earth rumbled with this sound. And from that time forward, we've, we've worshipped the name of that sound, you know. And it's a neat, a neat story yeah. uh, that goes with that. Okay. Uh, do we believe the Bible to be true? That's what we have to wrestle with. And as we look at this, uh, we have to say angels are all over the Old Testament. If we remove angels from the Old Testament text, uh, then we're going to have gaping holes all over the place. Angels are present throughout uh, their personal messengers and ministers of God. But what about the New Testament? If you look in the New Testament, we'd have to reject the New Testament totally. Uh, who would announce the birth of Christ? Who, uh, who would tell the shepherds to go? Um, who is it that came to Jesus after his temptation, after he had fasted for 40 days and ministered to him? Uh, who would go to the grave and announce his resurrection? Uh, who's going to gather the elect from the corners of the world? Who's going to free Peter and John from jail? I mean, time and time again throughout the New Testament, we see angels are everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And I, I fully, fully believe that the strongest, a single greatest testimony of the existence of angels is in the testimony of Jesus himself. Because I believe what he says. And Jesus says in his own teaching, he talks about angels. In Matthew 22, he talks about angels in heaven. Uh, in Matthew 24, he's talking about angels. In Matthew 26, he's talking about angels. In Matthew 18, he's talking about angels. And that's just a small amount of the dozens of times Jesus talks about angels. And so angels exist because Jesus says so. He testifies to it. Uh, um, so, so let's talk about the origin of angels, I suppose. Uh, Acts 23, we say, really, angels? Uh, isn't that a dumb thing to believe? Um, you know, there are people throughout history that haven't believed in angels, and the Sadducees are, were one of those. The Sadducees, Sadducees didn't believe in angels. Uh, they didn't believe in the a- a resurrection or angels or spirit. Um, but the Pharisees acknowledged them all. Uh, Sadducees didn't believe in angels. Sadducees were Jewish uh, leaders of sorts, a uh, sect of Jewish leaders in the New Testament in Jesus' day. They didn't believe in angels. Were they wrong? Absolutely, they were wrong. Um, they did not believe in spirits at all. No. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Uh, th- so let's talk about the origin of angels. Uh, there was a time when angels didn't exist. Let's start off there. Uh, angels didn't exist at one time. Colossians chapter 1 says, "For By him, that's Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or all authorities. Uh, these are all referring to, to not only physical but also spiritual elements. All things were created through him. That's Jesus, and for him, that's Jesus. And so there was a time when angels didn't exist, and so what does that tell us? That tells us that angels are created beings. Nehemiah chapter 6, uh, chapter 9, verse 6, uh, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven and the heavens of heavens with all their hosts. Uh, God has made the angels, uh, the earth and all, all that's on it. Uh, there was a time when angels didn't exist, but God created them. That means angels are heavenly uh, or are created beings. First uh, Timothy uh, also testifies to that, uh, with uh, which he will display at the proper time, he who is blessed and only sovereign. I'm talking about God there, the only sovereign, the only sovereign one, the only eternal one, that's God. Angels are created beings. Uh, they were created. Now, the question then becomes, well, when were they created? Uh, before time began, the angels were created. And that's really the best we have to offer there. 
Uh, because we know they show up in Genesis. By Genesis 3. Uh, they show up in the form of Lucifer or Satan, a fallen angel. And so angels were created before the foundations of the earth. And we have a couple, test, uh, a couple verses, I believe, in your notes that refer to that. Job 38, for example. Uh, Psalm 148. Um, uh, when were they created? They were created before, before creation. Um, uh, this is kind of neat. Um, Job 38 says, when the morning stars, that's one of the terms that we'll see later that's used for angels. The morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God, another term for angels, shouted for joy. Uh, why were they shouting for joy? Well, in verse 4, it had told us, uh, were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. So at the creation, the angels were there observing God and his work, and, and his work of creation. Uh, uh, Jesus answered uh, in Matthew 22. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, in Matthew 22, Jesus answered. Um, he's talking about uh, uh, marriage in, in this. They're asked, well, who's, whose wife is this lady going to be if she's married to this guy and this guy and this guy? And he says, hey, look, listen, uh, uh, in heaven, uh, you, you're wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry or are given in marriage, but they are like angels in heaven. Uh, and so this brings up a, a, maybe a touchy topic to talk about. Uh, but there's a couple things we learned from this passage about angels. Uh, first of all, if angels are created, uh, that means that, that they're created only by God. So they're different from humanity. We'll talk more about this later. In that they're only created for, for, from God. There's no procreation amongst angels. Uh, uh, but here's the other thing. And this is maybe the touchier thing in our culture, in our society today, is that angels are created beings created by God, uh, and, and the, true, the, the biblical truth is you will never be an angel. We don't become angels, right? Because we're created differently. Be, be very careful about using language that communicates that, especially to young people. Um, it really is a very bad theology to talk about being or becoming or somebody dying and going and being an angel. Bad theology. We're completely different. Two completely separate issues. You know, you go over to the flower shop to get somebody a, something for a funeral, and it's just packed with heaven gets another angel and another one got their wings. and Bad theology. That, that is not biblical at all, at all. That is, that is a very poor teaching. Which and is dangerous. And very dangerous, but because one of the reasons Colossians tells us that we're not to worship uh, angels in that regard as well, and I yeah. know you're going to talk more yeah. about that. Yeah, so, so we don't become angels. We're created differently, right? Uh, and we'll talk more about the, the, that aspect and how we're alike and different from angels. Uh, but, but that's a big thing to understand about angels is, as we'll see, they're created uh, like us with personality. Uh, they're created with emotion, which we'll talk about. And, and this is a, kind of a profound one we were talking about. They're created with will. <laughs> they, they can choose and, and, and have chosen to rebel, uh, uh, or some have at least. And so there's a, there's a will element to them, uh, much like us, and we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go. 
Uh, in Revelation chapter 12, it talks about uh, his tail swept down and a third of the angels, uh, stars of heaven, were cast down onto the earth, uh, talking about the fall of uh, a third of, uh, of, of the angel uh, population, uh, which might lead us to ask the question, well, how many angels are there? Like, okay, well, how many are there? Well, that's kind of a tricky question to answer because we don't really have an answer to that. Uh, one of the more profound passages, I, I think, yeah. that deals with this is Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. Uh, Jesus has been warning about harming children. And he, he says, uh, see, you, you, don't, you do not despise these little ones. And, and watch this. Uh, For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. I'm going to be honest with you for a second. I've read and studied the Bible for, for years now. This has never jumped out as vividly as it did this past week, studying this, thinking about angels specifically. I've always thought about children and our response to, you know, take care of the children and stuff like that. And, um, but thinking about, well, what's this tell us? Well, the term that's used here, there's some debate as to whether or not it's singular or plural in the original language. If it's singular, that tells us that there is an angel, at least for each child that's born. If it's plural, that means that there might be many more than that. So how many angels are there? Well, a lot. <laughs> many, many, well, many we many know angels. from historical record, billions. Billions, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. so we start there. And then here, here's another one. I looked and I heard, this is John writing, I heard many angels around the throne, living creatures, and the elders, and their number was ten was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands times thousands. Well, how many angels did he see? Many. <laughs> Great, that's helpful. Uh, but of that many, was it a few angels? Well, no, it was many angels. Was, was that a lot of them or just many of them? Okay, that doesn't help us very much. But of that many, their number was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. How many angels are there? Just write many. <laughs> um, uh, what we see about angels, there, there's a lot of them. There's many of them. Uh, that's kind of talk through kind of where we're going to be heading. Uh, we see that angels are God's di direct creation. Uh, and that's quite significant, especially as we look at the names of these angels or names given to angels. Um, God's direct creation, first generation. See, you are God's created one. We're all God's created uh, but we are not first generation, right? I mean, think kind of equivalent to Adam and Eve in this regard, right? They are, di I'm the child of my mother and father, right? And you are too. These angels are direct creations, and that's significant as we go further, and we'll see more about that. So angels are God's direct creation. Um, Christ is the agent of their creation. We saw in Colossians chapter 1. It's by him and for him and through him all things were created. Christ is the agent of their creation. Uh, they're created to glorify God. We see that also in Colossians chapter 16 and, and many other places. Uh, their, their chief job is to glorify God, is, is ministering to God in that way. They're created before the physical world. We see that in Job 38 and several places throughout Psalms. Uh, we see that. They're created before the physical world. Uh, all were created in the pattern, all were created holy, and that would be in the pattern of Genesis uh, chapter 1. Um, the point of the angelic fall 
Uh, many people look to Ezekiel 28 for, for that. Um, but we see that they're all created holy. But remember, one of the elements of their creation, of their, they're created with personality, with emotion, and, and also with will. And so these angels are capable of falling. They're created with limitation, and we're going to see this more as we go throughout. Uh, spatial limitation. Uh, we could spend a lot of time looking at these, but Daniel chapter 9, for example, uh, um, we, we see that, uh, that he, he, he records that uh, he, it was an open field, or not a field, an open room, and he saw the angel come to him, uh, fly to him, right? Uh, angels aren't omnipresent. That's a quality that only exists with God. They are created beings. There's a limitation to their, to, to their, 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 their abilities, and they are trapped in some type of a space. They can't be everywhere at once like God can. Sometimes we want to put angels in the same thinking as God. Think, well, God's everywhere. Angels, yeah, angels are all around us. Well, angels are, but an angel isn't all, all around us, if that makes sense. Uh, they are also got limited knowledge. I think this is important. Peter writes in 1 Peter, he talks about how angels desire to understand the gospel. That's one of the things that sets us apart as Christ followers, as humanity, really, is that we have the ability to understand the gospel. Peter writes, and I don't understand this entirely, but Peter writes that angels crave and desire to understand the gospel. Well, why could they not understand the gospel? Well, one of the reasons is that while they have will and emotion and personality, we say that with the angelic fall historically before the creation of the earth, uh, we see that there's no redemption possible for these angels. And that's a huge difference between me and you and angels. Uh, there's no possibility of, of, of salvation for them, so they can't understand the cross. Peter writes that they crave to try to understand that. Do you have anything more on that one? No, that's okay. what I was going to say. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, authority. Authority. Uh, limited authority as well, uh, and, and we'll t touch on that several different yeah, places. Yeah, they only do the bidding of God, That's basically. right, that's right. Um, they're created to be accountable. We see that in Matthew chapter 25. Um, but so let's talk, we kind of hit, hit on this a little bit, but what kind of beings are they? When we talk about angels, what kind of beings are they? Well, we see that they are, they're persons, not, not humans, uh, but persons. They're created uh, they're created in the image of God, but different from me and you, and we'll, we'll see more of that. But they're, they're persons. By persons, we, we mean that there are really three qualities about them that stand out that we learn throughout Scripture, and that's that they're intellectual beings. Uh, they're able to think, to process, to understand Hebrews chapter 13. talks about how they're ministering angels, or is that one? In the book of Hebrews, it talks about how uh, they're ministering angels, and they, they, they can see our need and, and act as agents to provide for our needs. Uh, they're, they're, they can think. They're, they're intellectual beings. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 28, for the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. They're not, just, they're not just robots doing the will of God. They can think and process. First uh, Peter uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 12 it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which the angels long to look onto. 
Peter's talking about there how the angels crave to try to understand the gospel. What you've understood is the gospel he's writing. The angels crave to try to understand that, but they've got limited knowledge. Uh, secondly, we see that they're emotional beings. Well, how might emotion be displayed in the, in the, in the, in the being of an angel? Well, we see in Luke 15, Jesus says, I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You remember that story in the, the, the stack of the lost son, coin, sheep, right? Uh, that's part of that section there. There's joy, over, uh, there's joy amongst the angels. There's worship there. We, we see that all throughout different types of places in Scripture. Uh, uh, joy and worship is an emotional response, isn't it? We, we don't worship God out of strict obedience. If we truly worship God, even here on a Sunday morning when we gather together, our worship of God isn't just because we have to. It, it should be because there's joy, there's emotion behind it. Uh, thirdly, we see that they're free will beings. Isaiah 14 talks about you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God, and I will set my throne on high, speaking about Satan. I will sit on the mounts of the assembly and far, reach far, 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 far. Okay, uh, this is all talking about Satan in the, in the fall. Uh, they're free will beings. I will, I will, I will, I will. Uh, throughout this passage, talking about Satan, right? Uh, the correct response, not only for angels and for us, is not I will, but my, not, not my will, but thy will, right? We see that modeled in Jesus' In Jesus' life and ministry. But we see here that they're free will beings. Um, we also see that they're spirit be beings. Uh, 14, are, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those for the sake, uh, to, to serve those for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? That's speaking of Christians. Uh, these angels are spirit beings. Uh, we see that they are, as we look at Scripture, we see that they're matterless. I know that's not a word, but I don't know another word to use for it. They don't have matter. They, 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 we're bound by flesh and blood and bones. Uh, they're not. Uh, Genesis 2-7 uh, talks about how our, we're formed. We're, we're, we're bound in a physical matter location. Spirits aren't uh, like us in that, in that way. By the laws of nature. That's right. Since the fall. Yeah. Uh, we see that they are finite. They have limitations. Again, in chapter 9, he says, while I was speaking in prayer, the, the man Gabriel, uh, that's interesting there, he's described as a man Gabriel, uh, whom I had seen in the vision at first came to me in swift flight. Um, uh, they can't be everywhere, right? They're limited in, in space and time. Uh, we see that these spirits do not die. These are spirits that are created, and they're created, and they're, they're created not to die. Luke uh, chapter 20, verse 36, for they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels and are sons of God and being sons of God and being sons of the resurrection. So angels do not die. We see that angels are able to appear. Luke chapter 1, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing to the right side of the altar of incense, speaking uh, 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 foretelling the birth of Jesus and, and John. Uh, they're able to appear, and they're able to appear in a couple different ways. Uh, they can occur, they can appear in space and time. Um, 
And when they do that, they appear as usual men or normal men. Uh, Genesis 18, 2, which is a strange story of <laughs> angels appearing. Yeah, it is. Because I'm strange enough, I've got to go into it a little bit. <laughs> um, Genesis 18, you might be familiar with the story. It's the story of Lot and Sodom. And these two angels appear. Uh, and just from what you know about angels, when you see an angel, what is your response? When Bible people saw an angel, what was the response? Well, they say to the shepherds. Fear not. Fear not. Why? Well, there must be something about their physical appearance that scares them to death. Uh, when, when, when the angel appeared to Mary, what did he say to Mary? Yeah. Don't be afraid. Because the natural response is fear. But in Genesis chapter 18, there's two angels that come into Sodom and find refuge, uh, uh, shelter at Lot's house. And uh, the people of the town, their response wasn't uh, fear. Their response was, hey, those are good-looking guys. Let's, let's get with them and have sex. Strange. Weird. Uh, fascinating story. Lot goes out and he's pleading with these people, hey, please, 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 don't, don't do such a vile thing. And long story short, the angels uh, grab Lot, pull him inside, and then do some type of a, a blinding thing to the people so they can't find the doorknob, essentially. A mm. uh, fascinating story. Uh, they appear at times at, as usual men, maybe attractive men. Uh, uh, we see that uh, they appear often or have appeared in Scripture as young men in, in Mark chapter 16. Uh, and into the two, that's all young men sitting on the right side and dressed in a right robe, and they were alarmed. Again, there's an element of fear there. I don't know if it's because they were startled or because of the physical presence of an angelic being. We don't know that. That's only uh, to be able to uh, imply that. We see that sometimes they're impressively dressed in uh, uh, white robes and shining. Um, uh, the, the, we see that they're capable of supernatural actions. I think uh, the resurrection story, when the, 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 the stone is, is rolled uh, away, they're capable of, of supernatural action. So that's a couple ways that they appear in space and in time, but also they appear um, uh, in, in dreams and in, in, in visions. Uh, in those dreams and visions, sometimes they're as usual men. Sometimes they appear in these visions as strange, creepy uh, creatures, uh, like in Revelation. And sometimes they're... they're uh, there's winged entities uh, uh, like Revelation 4 or, or let's say uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Sometimes they appear as women. I don't, I don't think that made it on my slides, but sometimes, uh, actually I think just one time we see in Scripture where they appear as, as women, which is um, interesting. John, can I make Please. just a quick input? Absolutely. Um, let me just say this, that one of the things that we need to be aware of and be very careful about is that um, one of the things that has been historically something we've done that I don't think is very healthy <laughs> biblically or for our own spiritual life is that sometimes when we uh, have a feeling that God has told us something, be very cautious about when somebody says to you, well, God told me, now while... Angels can be messengers through dreams and visions. We just confirm that. Sometimes it's bad pizza that caused you to think you had a feeling about something. Or here's the test. 
is it consistent with the written word of God? If it's inconsistent, if God, if you feel like God is telling you to do something, let, let me give you an example. Um, well, God told me that uh, in my case, it was okay for us to live together before we were married. Well, is that, is that a biblical precedent throughout the rest of Scripture? No. So, you know, be careful that you don't get sucked into feelings and emotions driving your theology uh, with this type of stuff. I just want to give a warning there. Yeah, and the other side of that warning is uh, perhaps an angel is giving, in, in a vision, is giving you a, a, a message. Um, but perhaps it's also a demon giving you a message. Yeah, yeah that's a very good point. Uh, our next session here is, well, what are the classifications? There's two classifications for angels. Anybody know what they are? Simple, good and bad, right? <laughs> uh, uh, we've got we've got uh, holy angels. Oh, let's start with uh, 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 evil. Uh, I don't know. Well, okay, that's it. Uh, evil and holy. <laughs> that, that's it. Evil and holy. I think your your notes refer to a couple uh, passages there. Uh, we've got uh, evil angels, aka the devil's angels. Uh, these angels willingly sin. They are, according to Hebrews chapter two, permanently lost. That's why they crave to understand the gospel. And then we've got holy angels in Mark chapter 8 and throughout Scripture. Uh, these are those who refuse to rebel. Uh, the next section of your, of your uh, packet there, I don't have a good representation on the screen uh, because I'm lazy and this is the best I got. Uh, but it's really comparing and contrasting angels and Christ. Uh, angels, we see that they're created. They're created in the image of God. They're created greater than men. And, well, there's more to that, but for now, um, Hebrews chapter 2 is a fascinating study. You go home and read Hebrews chapter 2 and see the, or, or the order of creation and the order because of the fall. And I'll leave it at that. You can sort that out. Uh, the angels are servants and they're messengers of God. Uh, Christ, however, he's not created. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's not created. He is the image of God. He's greater than the angels. Uh, instead of a, a, a messenger a, or a servant, he is a son. He is a ruler. Uh, the next uh, um, uh, uh, chart on there, uh, those are angels and people because we're created in very similar ways. We're made in the image of God. Dealing with personality and will and uh, emotion. Uh, uh, angels and people are both limited in different regards. They're both dependent on the Lord. Um, they're given responsibilities and attributes, and they're accountable. Um, there's also a section in there that talks about how they're different, and I didn't put that on the slides. Uh, how are they different? Um, do you have any blanks on there? Or maybe I didn't put them. They're distinct from people. Um, angels are spirit. They're invisible. They're unable to reproduce. They never die. They have superior attributes in some ways. Uh, people, on the other hand, their spirit and body, they're visible. They procreate. We do encounter a physical death. And according to Scripture, we have superior va value. Uh, John, do, 1 Corinthians John do, we dare, do we dare touch about 
The Nephilim. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, he goes, go for it. Well, you know, there's that old teaching that when uh, the sons of man saw that the, or sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair, and there's a lot of theology that Genesis chapter six, six, and they had uh, relationships, sexual relationships with, and the t a lot of historical teaching has taught that these were angels, fallen angels that had relationships with human beings, and therefore the Nephilim were the outcome of that, these giants, such as Goliath, as would be later referred to. Yeah. Uh, the problem with that is, is that there's really no indication that th it doesn't, that that's angels. R right, right. And, and one of the big reasons is because angels are unable to reproduce. That, that's what I'm getting at. That's why I'm saying it. But yeah. I just want to make sure we, but you'll probably we could get into yeah. that, and I don't, yeah. no, don't want to get sidetracked. But Yeah, and then, and then Peter also deals with that and kind of, walks through the Nephilim and a good understanding of that as well. It's a fascinating study, uh, and it's a popular study. I mean, a lot of people it look to that. And, um, but one of the reasons we say that, well, again, Jesus' testimony, Matthew 22, uh, in heaven, they're, never, they're neither married or given to marriage. And again, like ancient astronaut theorists say yeah. that's aliens yeah. having sex with human beings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there because yeah. it's just crazy the tangents that people go off on. First Corinthians 6, according to Paul, he says, Do you not know that we are to judge angels how much more than uh, matter, uh, matters pertaining to this life? Uh, uh, we're created with a superior value. Uh, in Christ, and dealing with this, in Christ, uh, we understand that the Bible teaches that we, uh, in Christ, will be exalted. The question then is, well, why? Why would we be exalted? Why would we be able to sit in a judgment seat with the uh, uh, for the angels, and that's because, according to the New Testament's teachings, we are heirs with Christ. Uh, we will be equal with Christ in His inheritance because we are a co-heir with Christ by being in Christ. We are one spirit with Christ, so we are in the kingdom, and we in eternity will rule and reign over angels because we'll reign with Christ. Remember, in Revelation, He says, "You'll sit with Me on My throne." And it's for this age and for this time. Uh, for this age and for this time, Hebrew says we're a little lower than angels. Uh, they'll be different than we are. Uh, and both of us are creatures. Both of us are created by God, both limited in, by space and by time, both dependent on God for existence and our, and our well-being. Uh, both are responsible to God and accountable to him, yet we differ. And your charts show us that. And so now this is probably one of the more fun sections, I think, because now we look at... Well, what are the different uh, names that are given to angels throughout Scripture that, de that depict the role of angels and tell us uh, what they do? Um, uh, angels, the, the, the most popular one is, is messengers. And it's the function of, of a messenger. Uh, they're messengers of God's action uh, in, in Revelation chapter 6 and, and throughout Scripture we, we see that. Um, they're also messengers of information. Uh, another word that's used to describe angels is ministers, uh, ministers or, or servants. Uh, we'll see more about this later, but, but we see that these angels minister or serve and worship to God uh, and also serve or minister the, to the people of God. Again, Hebrews 1 and, and 13. 
this is a neat one. Uh, the, the third title here is host. Uh, host or army. The heavenly host. Uh, we, we think of this and we think about the, uh, the, 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 the armies that appear uh, in the stories that I gave you in the, in the front part of your packet. Uh, they're God's enforcers. Uh, they are the ones who, who make sure God's will is, is met and kept. Uh, I think that's kind of a neat picture for them. Uh, again, Psalm 103 refers to that. We see that in 1 Kings. Again, we referred to that passage earlier with Elisha and his, and his servants. Uh, D, we see chariots. Uh, chariots, uh, it's his fighting force sent out to protect again in 2 Kings. Uh, they're described as chariots of fire. That's kind of neat. This one's kind of neat. Watchers. Throughout the Old Testament, these angels are depicted as watcher, watchers, uh, uh, supervisors. Um, Daniel 4 is, is, is neat. Uh, Daniel 4, let me pull it up here because it, it, it's, it's neat. Daniel 4, uh, 13. I don't think it's going to work. And I should have had it pulled up. Yeah, here we go. Daniel 4, 13. And I saw the visions of my head as I lay in my bed, and behold, a watcher. That's a descriptive term. A holy one came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and, and said thus. And he talks about it. And, and then verse 17, uh, again, this sentence is by the decree of the watchers. We have here in Daniel, uh, uh, we have two in verse 13. Uh, it, this watcher, this angel, this heavenly uh, being was watching, was came to him. And then there's a decree made in, in Daniel chapter 4. Uh, uh, this, this is how it's going to go, and this is what's going to happen. Uh, and we see that these watchers are also uh, kind of a form of administration. They're going to make sure that things go as God wants them to go for God's glory. Uh, again, these beings are, are, are uh, uh, intelligent beings that aren't, that aren't simply just robotic things that stand around waiting for God to tell them what to do, we also see that there's an initiative on their part because they know and they love the Lord. They do his, they, they are, they're able to um, uh, uh, anticipate the will of the Lord. And we see that here in, in Daniel chapter 4, which is kind of a, a, a neat thing to look at. Uh, no, 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 that's not what I'm, I'm saying. They, they can't see the future, but because of their love for the Lord, because of their service and their ministering to the Lord for his glory, uh, these angels, Daniel 4 is an example of that. Uh, they, they uh, it, it says in Daniel 4, chapter, uh, verse 17, uh, that this decree was given by the hand of the watchers. Now, there is some debate as to, well, who made the decree? Was that God making that decree and sending it as just a messenger through, like, like as if an angel is a phone that's just conveying a message? Or is this decree made by the angel because the angel knows and loves God? And, and that's really where I fall on that. These angels are able to anticipate the will of the Father because they know the Father, because of their close connection with the Father. And it's just like... It'd be kind of like your relationship with your children That's or your right. relationship with your parents. You kind of know 
how what the expectations are when you go to their home because you know them. Mom's not gonna. There's like certain this. things you you take your shoes off of the door. Yeah. You don't say those kind of words. You you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we so we we talked about uh, uh, now we're talking about names that depict their their position. There there seems to be a hierarchy of sorts. Um, if of sorts uh, that deal with these spiritual beings. Let me get my page back up here. Um, we talked about names that depict their roles, what they do, and now their position. And, and this is fascinating as well. Uh, sons of the Almighty. The ESV translates it as heavenly beings. Uh, it's, it's the Hebrew ben Elim. Um, Sons of the mighty one. Uh, they are like God in might. They're like the mighty one in might. That's the picture that's conveyed, that's used for these angelic beings. Sons of the mighty, uh, Ben Elim. These get stranger. Ben Elohim, sons of God. That's the, the Hebrew uh, sons of God, Elohim being God, Ben being sons of. Uh, uh, we mentioned this earlier, but I think it's important to point out. They are direct creations of God. Job 1.6 talks about that. Uh, and, and logic tells us that. Uh, they are like God. Sons of God it carries this weight of, of like God. Uh, they're not a natural being as we are. Uh, uh, specifically, they are they're a first generation where, we are, where we're not. That's one of the things that makes us distinct. Uh, from them. They reflect God. They're, they're holy. They're sons of God. They are like God. Uh, ben Elohim. Um, uh, there's an example here in Michael chapter 10. This is, a, this is a debated one, Sam. If you want to jump in here with me, we can. If not, we can move on. But Michael, uh, Daniel 10, 13 says, Michael, who is like God? Some people put a question mark on that. Some people say that who is like God is descriptive of Michael. I tend to believe that who is like God and Daniel 10, 13 is descriptive of Michael um, as one who is like God. Is not God, but like God. Carries the, uh, carries the image of God in a different way than you and I do. Well, also, in that context, uh, we have a couple of them that are named by name. We have Lucifer, we've already discussed. You have Gabriel. Gabriel was always the good news announcer, like the birth, yep. uh, et cetera. Michael, on the other, is the just mm -hmm. servant of God, which I think that's a reference to being like God in terms of justice. Mm -hmm. He's carrying out the justice of God. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that would be the difference. He's the one that is waging war against evil, yeah. defending, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So that's depicting the character of yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, holy. I mean, that, that, that's, that's big on this slide, yeah. holy, the idea of being holy, right? Um, this is the weirdest one. This is the one that I've really wrapped my head about this week. About 200 times in Scripture, angels are referred to as Elohim. What's Elohim mean? God. Whoa. In the beginning, Elohim said, let us make man in our image. <laughs> Uh, this is the same name that's God's name, God's, God's direct name for God. 
Uh, but the interesting thing is, in the Hebrew, Elohim is a plural. Uh, um, I don't know the right term for it because I'm a dumb redneck, but it's plural. All right. Um, uh, I think the context is more like this, John. When somebody looks at Nora Jean, your daughter, yeah, they would say she's a Welch. Yeah, she's a Welch. Yeah, yeah. Same kind now, of thing going on here when they see, you know. That's right. Yeah. Notice we have here under underlined uh, lowercase gods. They are not God. We understand that. But this is big in Psalm eight verse five. They have delegated authority like God because they act on behalf of God. Right. And I think that's part of the context here. Right. Uh, if Sammy were to Sammy's my boss, if Sammy were to send a message to me <laughs> through you. The way I respond to you reflects to him as well because you would be sending the message to me from Sammy, right? And that's kind of what we have here as well. They have delegated authority. They're called uh, uh, holy ones. I'm not going to try to pronounce that one. <laughs> uh, but they're called holy ones throughout uh, the Old Testament specifically. Uh, the holy ones, the idea of being set apart, uh, set apart. Uh, morally good, Psalm 15 teaches us. Uh, these are holy ones that are morally good. They're set apart, different from you and I. Where is that? Sure. Kadoshim. Kodoba. Kodoba. Mm. <laughs> uh, next, they're called stars throughout, throughout uh, the Bible. Uh, Rev Revelation, not Reb. Reb doesn't exist. <laughs> but Rev does. <laughs> um, they're called stars. Uh, uh, the idea there is they are above, uh, they're glorious, they, they illuminate, they're watching over us. That's the picture that we see there. Uh, names that depict their rank. Uh, cherubim. Uh, cherubim. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, hypothesized that Cherubim might be the highest of the ranking within the angelic world. Uh, Ezekiel 28, we'll refer to that. Uh, part of that in Psalm 99 talks about how the cherubim are the nearest ones to God. Uh, if you think about the top of the ark uh, in the temple, uh, um, the ark of the covenant, on the top of the ark uh, were, uh, was an image, uh, an engravement, um, a model. Not an icon. Icon. Uh, of 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 cherubim, of, um, and it was on that uh, Exodus twenty five tells us that the the glory of God came and rested, and so some pro, uh, uh, um, guess that hypothesize that the highest rank might be cherubim. Part of this is guesswork, but uh, there's that. Uh, then there are seraphim. Seraphim, uh, uh, they are the the burning ones, the flaming ones. Isaiah chapter 6, a vivid image of this. Uh, we see in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is now uh, in the presence of God. The, the hem of his robe fills the temple, and there are uh, these, these, these uh, seraphim with wings, and with two they're covering their face, and with two they're covering their feet, and they're, and they're flying, and holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, and what was Isaiah's response? Again, fear. Woe am I from a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen 
the glory of God. Uh, throughout Scripture, we see these as uh, seraphim as, as burning ones. Kind of neat. We see these, uh, these angels depicted as living creatures. And there's a contrast again in your notes here uh, between Ezekiel 1 and Revelation 4 where these uh, two living creatures are kind of, um, uh, they're, they're similar. Uh, uh, both show a lion and an ox, a man and an eagle. Each has four faces. Um, in in uh, Ezekiel 1, uh, each has one face in Revelation 4. And so, uh, in your, again, in your handouts, it makes more sense than this slide. But again, I'm lazy. And that's the best I have for you on the screen. <laughs> um, any questions about that? Does that make sense? Do you see how we're comparing those? We're seeing them displayed in that image there. And so we've talked a lot about names and, and roles and origins and nature of these beings. Uh, but now let's kind of get to the, 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 the guts of it for just a second. And let's talk about uh, what they do. I mean, we've talked about things in general, but well, well, what's the ministry that they do? And we're going to break this down in three simple categories. What they do to God or toward God. Uh, we're going to look at what they did toward Christ. And we're going to look at what they do toward believers. That's the format moving forward. It's toward God, their ministry toward God, their ministry uh, toward, uh, toward Christ and toward believers. Now, now, we could put, there's more than that, but that's just where... We could spend weeks and weeks talking about this topic, um, but that's how we're going to frame it tonight. Uh, angels are ministers toward God. When we use the word ministers in this context, we're talking about uh, their, their care for, their passion, their, their purpose, right? Uh, they're ministers toward God. Uh, they're concerned with worship of God. Again, in Isaiah uh, 6 and Revelation 4, we see that they, their, their concern and their worship toward God is, uh, or their, their, in their ministry toward God, they're concerned with worshiping Him. Um, that's, it's, there's a picture here throughout Scripture. There are some angels, and their job, their function is simply to stand at the feet of God in worship. Revelation 4, uh, we, we have this again at the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Um, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the picture we have is that they continue to do this. So, so they worship God, but they're also ministers of, of service. And, and that service uh, breaks down into a couple of different categories. Priestly service, uh, they, they are um, engaged in, in, in the, uh, uh, the, the ministry uh, uh, to, to, to believers and, and to God. They're ministers of, of service. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. Uh, and the angel, and of, of angels, he says, he, he makes his angels, uh, this is a fun one. Okay. Um, so, uh, his ministers a flame of fire. We see that these, these things, the, 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 the priestly service is, is about the, the, the presence of God, of exalting the presence of God. Uh, um, uh, the word ministers here is Greek. It's the, the word that we get uh, that's used here, ministers. Um, it's the word that we get liturgy from. It has to do with worship, with priestly service, with, with coming in the presence of God. It says they're like wind, and that's, I, I think, referring to their, their speed. Uh, it, it's a flaming fire. There's an intensity about their worship here. Um, 
whatever this priestly worship is, it's like wind, it's like fire, it's intense, it's in the presence of God, and, 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 they, and they do it, and I don't know exactly what this means. Uh, I, I can't fathom, and I don't think we can fathom the, the entirety of the picture of worshiping at the feet of the throne. Uh, but whatever these angels offer to God, it's un- it, this is a very unique word that's used uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 1. This is a unique word that's used uh, that, that deals specifically with priestly work done unto God at the throne of God. So, so they do this priestly service, this worship of God that w- we can only hope, w- we will see one day. But they also are personal messengers of God. We see that all throughout the, the birth story of Jesus. Personal messengers of God. Uh, the angel showing up to Mary, to Joseph, to the cousins. Um, Psalm 103, uh, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the word of his voice. Here we have this picture uh, of angels who are so completely obedient, uh, who worship God, who obey the voice of his word uh, and who are, and who are going to do the will of the father uh, these holy angels uh, Luke 119 the angel answered I am Gabriel I stand in the presence of God I think of this uh, I, and I was sent to speak to you as God Gabriel standing there and God dispatches him to Mary to give this message uh, these angels are messengers of God which is kind of where the whole theme for It's a Wonderful Life came from. Galatians 3, uh, this is kind of a, a, a neat thing. You've seen the movie around Easter time with Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments, and all that, right? And I remember watching this as a child. Um, and it was always kind of terrifying when the plagues came through. And, and then Moses is there on the mountain with God. Uh, Galatians, uh, Paul writes about that. And he says, uh, why then the law, and we won't go into that, but he says this, it was added because of the transgressions until the offering should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. So think about this, what Paul's saying here. Now in Exodus, uh, we see Moses meets God on the mountain. Moses then comes down with the law. He breaks it. He has to go back, and God writes it again. Uh, but here Paul says that they were put in place through and uh, through, through the angels um, as an intermediary. as an intermediary. Hmm. intermediary. Well, you can read. Um, um, well, the question then we have to ask is, what part did the angels have in this? How are how are angels connected in the law of Sinai? Because we don't see that in Exodus. Well, in in Acts chapter seven, verse thirty-eight, uh, this is the one talking about Moses who was in the congregation in the wilderness, uh, the church is kind of the term that's used there, the church in the wilderness, uh, with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers, and he received living oracles he gave to us. Here in Acts chapter 7, Luke writes that, that, that yeah, well, Exodus might not mention the angels being present there. Uh, now we've got Paul saying angels had a part in giving the law, and now we've got Luke recording uh, uh, this teaching in the first century, that the angels were a part of that as well. In Acts seven fifty three, you receive the law delivered by angels, but you do not keep it. You know, this law was delivered by angels. Again, angels are messengers of God. Hebrews chapter two: For since the message declared by angels proved 
to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Again, the author of Hebrews is referring to the message of the law declared by angels. So now we've got four passages here, four references to the fact that angels were involved in giving the law. Exodus chapter 31, verse 18. And when he gave the law to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. God wrote with his finger, it seems. When we compile these passages together, it seems as though God wrote with his finger, and then the angels delivered it to Moses. The angels are messengers, sometimes sent with verbal messages and sometimes sent with a big rock or tablets. Um, angels are, so angels are messengers. Also, angels are agents of God's rule. Uh, this is kind of neat to consider to think about. Uh, sometimes they restrain people. And we see this a, time, uh, a couple different times. Uh, again, in Genesis chapter 18, uh, uh, the, the, the two angels that appeared and, and, and they, the people of Sodom wanted to take them and have their way with them. Uh, the angels restrained them by blocking their vision, two angelic fingers in the eyes, and they weren't able to find the door. What happened there? Well, the angels restrained evil. There was evil that was going to take place, and the angels restrained it. I don't know how they did it, but they did it in a very physical way in, Acts, in Genesis chapter 18. Uh, they also helped govern, help God govern and control nations. Uh, now, you know, not only in our nation, but every country throughout the world, behind the, the scenes of humanity, there's a spiritual conflict at, at work. Uh, demons, which are just like angels in origin and nature, uh, are fighting for the control of countries. And how they do that is by controlling the culture. This is a, a big one that applies heavily today. How they do that is by controlling the culture. If you control the culture, you, can, you control the country. Think about that as we live here and engage in our society and our culture. If you can control the culture, you control everything. Culture drives politics. Culture drives people. Culture drives norms. If you control the culture, you control the people. And there is, this, isn't, this isn't, here in America, we're not fighting a Republican versus Democrat. We're fighting a spiritual war. We're not fighting it. A spiritual war is being fought. If you can control the culture, you can control the country. Angels and demons are behind the scenes on all levels of our governments fighting. Read Daniel 4 and get an idea of what's going on. We've referred to that already. Um, here's the key. If God runs everything, even the worst men in government are there because God has allowed it and angels watch over those governments carrying out the plan of God. Now, that's a weird thing to think about, but think about how that directly impacts the Christmas story. We referred to it earlier with King Herod. King Herod is a vile man. He hears about this, this Messiah, this king that's been born, that's going to threaten his rule, his reign. Don't think for a second that spiritual forces aren't at work uh, pushing and prodding Herod to act as he did. He gathers the, mag the, the wise men uh, from, from the east, uh, who had known about it, and I think this is fascinating to think about. How, how did these people who were foreigners know about uh, Jewish, uh, the Jewish Messiah? Well, from the east, where's the east? Well, you've got, you've got Babylon. 
when Israel had gone into captivity in Babylon, uh, their writings had gone with them. Their teachings went with them. The, the top of the top were integrated within the Babylonian society. So people started to learn uh, uh, this Jewish teaching, this Jewish faith system or whatever. And so these wise men from probably Babylon had heard and studied uh, uh, and, and, and came seeking the, the, the king. Herod, uh, Herod is, is uh, uh, manipulated, I think. And Matthew tells us very distinctly why that happens. Uh, an angel appeared to Joseph and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there. And so I tell you, for Herod is about to search and destroy the child. Listen, why wouldn't you just have Jesus born somewhere else, God? Why not just bring him somewhere else? Why not have him born in, I don't know, North America, all right? Why not? He could be free from Herod and all that issue. Well, Matthew tells us why. Joseph took the child and left by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. And this was in order to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Out of Egypt I called my son. This is one of the fascinating things about Christmas. One of the things that I think I mentioned this last week, but I, I want to mention it again. We're reminded throughout the Christmas story, throughout details like this, that God is a faithful God. God is a God of his word. God keeps his promises, even the small ones, even the ones that wouldn't make a difference, whether they were born, he was born here. here. What's the matter? That doesn't change a thing. God could have put on flesh and made his dwelling among us in Canada. But God keeps his promises. God's word is faithful. God is true to his word. And in Christmas time, we can remind ourselves and be reminded through the Christmas story that God is a God who keeps his promises. Which, which helps us promise. understand a little, or should, John, a little bit more Romans 8, 28. When we are, we are promised, all things yeah. work together. Even bad things. All things work together for the good. We can't always see how it's played out. I'm sure that Mar young Mary and Joseph couldn't figure out why, if they've got God's son, they're having to run all over the land. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But there was a reason for that. And when you really trust God and when mm -hmm. you really believe in him, you, you see that bigger picture and you don't get really all uptight about it yeah. as much. I don't think. I that's think right. that's where you just trust. That's yeah. what it all comes down to is trust. I love this part. We're going to roll because we're nearing time. But angels minister to Christ. What do uh, what, We talked about how angels minister toward God now. How did they minister toward Christ? Well, you, you know, he's a minister to him at his birth, foretelling to Joseph, to Mary, uh, to Elizabeth. They announced it to others, to the shepherds. They were around during Jesus' life. They provided provision from Herod. In Matthew 4, uh, Matthew 4, 11, they ministered to him after the devil had tempted him and, and left him. Luke 22 says, Jesus prayed, not my will but yours. And immediately there appeared an angel with him from heaven, strengthening him. That's in the garden as he as he's knows that his death is imminent. That he's not only going to face crucifixion, but the wrath of God being placed on his shoulders. And he says, God, not my will, but your will. And there, immediately, Luke says, there was an angel there from heaven giving him strength. Boy, that gives me a lot of hope. You ever feel like you just don't have strength to go on? 
angels are ministering spirits. They minister to Christ, and we'll see. Talk There's only that. one event in his entire life the angels weren't present. Oh, yeah. And that's crucifixion. That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken yeah. me? Yeah, if you notice on this list, he's not there. He could, they couldn't be because could, he had to be able to absorb that voluntarily. Could they have been? On his own. Jesus yes, says, he called do you not think I could call out legions of legions, 12 legions? How many is a legion? Uh, three to 6,000 people, I, th I think is the right number. I mean, whatever, a lot. Jesus says in the redneck version, I could have called down a lot. I could call down a lot of angels. Um, he could have done that, but the only time they're not there is, yeah, they're at, at the crucifixion. Fascinating. Um, so a angels ministered to Jesus throughout his ministry. They attended to his resurrection. Um, yeah. Aren't you glad they didn't minister to him at his crucifixion? If they had, we wouldn't be here today. Uh, angels are ministers to believers. How do they minister to us? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out? Sent out. To be sent out means that there is a sender, right? These angels are sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Who's to inherit salvation? Those who call upon the name of Christ. The writer of Hebrews says that these angels are ministering to us, serving us. As they serve, they serve us. Why? Because they serve God. Uh. Daniel 10, I love this. Oh, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Understand these words I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. Uh, th think about this for just a second. This is an interaction uh, I, uh, Daniel has with, uh, with, with an angel. Uh, Daniel, oh, man greatly loved. Loved by who? I wrestled with this a little bit this week. Loved by who? Certainly by God. But think about this. Uh, uh, Daniel is loved by God. If we expand that thought a little bit, if we broaden that, because we assume that angels love what, God's, what God loves, if angels love what God loves because they're holy, they're right, they're just, they're obedient, we can assume that angels love what God's love. If God loves Daniel and us, then we can also assume that angels are serving us, ministering to us, not simply out of obligation to God the Father, but also as a response of love. Again, these angelic beings are emotive beings because they love what the Father loves. They love us. That's an exciting thing. The, the, the fact is believers, they, they minister to believers who they love, I have the Holy Spirit within me ministering to my spiritual needs, and I have angels around me taking care of my, 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 my other needs, my physical needs, strengthening me. How do they minister to Christians? They're checking up to us. They're checking up on us all the time. They keep watch. 1 Corinthians 4, 9 says, uh, For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle, a spectacle to the world, to angels and men. In this context, Paul's writing about the apostles specifically. But he says these apostles are, are spectacles to the world, to angels. Why, uh, he, he's speaking specifically to the apostles there. 
and angels are, are, are watching that, are, are observing what's happening to the apostles. Uh, but how does this apply to the whole church then, this idea of angels watching? We'll look in Ephesians chapter 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. These angelic beings are watching over us. They're watching us. They're, they're keeping watch. They're watching to see how God is wise, how that's manifest in the church today. They look down and say, wow, look what God did in that life. Wow, look at what God did in, in that life, in this life. And they're seeing how God is wise and they're praising him. Uh, well, how else? Uh, they're, going, they're going to witness the reward of believers. We see that. Um, uh, they're going to witness the reward. I think I skipped on the slides. They're going to act on our behalf in response uh, to what they are aware of. They're going to act. They reveal truth. Daniel and most of Revelation is, is delivered by angels. Um, they're guiding the believer. Look at Acts chapter 8 and Philip. Uh, Philip's in a prayer meeting. All of a sudden, he's guided by an angel to a place where he needs to be. Look at Cornelius and 10. And throughout the Old Testament and New Testament as a whole, we see angels are guiding forces, guiding God's people. Uh, one more thing, and this is where we end. They provide. Angels provide. Psalm 78, 23, and 24, yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven, and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. It's referring back to um, uh, the Israelites in the desert after they left bondage in Egypt. And do you remember what, the, what that was called, the, the bread that fell from heaven? Angel food cake, that's right. <laughs> Or manna. Uh, I, uh, think of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Uh, he's defeated all these powerful people, and then a woman starts chasing after him, and he runs like a chicken with his head cut off. And he says, oh, God, I'm the only one. I'm going to die. Why don't you just kill me, God? And, and he falls asleep, and he's woken by an angel and says, here, eat, eat and rest. Eat and rest. And he's provided for. He's provided for. We see this throughout Scripture. Uh, angels provide. Uh, angels watch over us. Uh, in the past, they have revealed God's truth. They guide us uh, to the place we need to be. Um, they're able to, we, I mean, I'm paraphrasing some of this because we're, we're out of time. But, uh, John, that's why a lot of the Gothic art that you see on old buildings have uh, these angelic-looking, yeah. Yeah. weird-looking creatures guarding the building. It's this idea of watching. Yeah. That's the depiction. Watching, watching over, providing for, caring for. And so, and so th there's so much more to the subject, but that's where we end tonight because we're out of time and you're out of paper. Um, <laughs> and patience. Uh, and, and patience. <laughs> um, but I hope that as we go, through, go into Christmas, we maybe look at our decorations a little different. There's nothing wrong with putting an angel on the tree or, or whatever. That's fine. Right. Um, uh, but, can, but let's not be, um, let's not disassociate angels and reality. You know what I mean? Sometimes we need a little primer, a shot in the arm for us to open our eyes to remember and recall uh, the truth. There's a spiritual battle going on for each and every one of us.
And there's a lot of comfort in this study of angels to realize that there are angels who are providing for us, who are watching over us, who are caring for us. Why? Not because you're good. Not because you're good enough. Not because you have all the answers or all the right. No, it's because you are a child of God rescued by the blood of Jesus. And the angels are ministering servants for us, to us, to God's glory. Yeah. I, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 came to mind when it says there's no temptation but such as common to man that God is faithful and you, he will provide an escape or a way out. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the feeling like somebody was sent to you at a particular time with a particular message to help you in a particular situation. I've even had the overwhelming feeling that I was being watched. <laughs> Some say, well, you're paranoid. Maybe. But uh, I also think that there are times when I have felt the presence of God. Was that in an angelic form? I don't know the answer to that, but I trust that God is true to his word. That's right. And so if it leads me into something that's consistent with his word, then I'm going to lean into that. Yeah. As um, long as it's not something that's contrary. Yeah. And I think that's the important part. But I, I think it's a really cool study. It's, it's a little bit of the mystique of the Christian life that we mm -hmm. don't know a lot about tangibly. Yeah. Uh, but that's even the more beauty of it. You know, I think there's... Um, I don't know why we've shined away from teaching this maybe in the past, but maybe it's just because um, it's not as black and white as maybe we would like for it to be. Um, and maybe it's because we either we have tendency to go to extremes. We the either kick it out or we worship it. Yeah. We don't really do something in between. So, yeah, that's a great job, John. Appreciate yep. your work on that. Yeah. And, and maybe even an overreaction from the Pentecostal movement as yeah, well. Yeah, it could be, very much yep. so. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's Any that's, questions? Yeah, any questions, thoughts? A lot there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> lot. I geek out, so I love this stuff. Any yeah. questions, thoughts, comments, questions? Okay. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's that, I've heard that before. That's not an uncommon experience. Yeah, that's not all that uncommon. Hmm. Well, without sounding hokey as your preacher, there have been <laughs> times that I literally did not want to come here on a Sunday morning because I didn't feel good. And if it hadn't have been for that, I couldn't have got up here. And did what I did, because I literally I have gone home and came remember what I said. I mean, I've had migraines, I've been sick, I've had things happen, and I just think that that's part of that ministering aspect of it. Yeah. Because we've all had those times where we did stuff we didn't know how we did it, and I I think that's part of it. I really do. Let me ask one more question. Any, well, anything anything else? Questions, thoughts on angels. I mean, there's so much more here we could say, but you've got to have something. Nothing? Okay. Let me ask this. As we think about the Christmas story, the traditional Christmas story, Jesus' birth, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are there any elements of that that you would like to talk about next week? Yeah. What stands out to you that you say, oh, that's interesting. Let's dive into that. Good. 
Right. They played badminton. They Talk talked about stretch marks. I don't know. <laughs> In my opinion, that was very intentional. Yeah. Because Mary needed that support of that woman in her life at that time, going through that, what she was getting ready to go through, and I think there's something about the camaraderie of that that they that she needed for her mental health yeah, during the, that time. The shared experience of an angelic, uh, an angelic message. Uh, yeah, right. They had that in common where no one else would believe. Yeah, it had been. Yeah, it had been 400 years. Since the people of God, at Jesus' birth, it had been 400 years since the people of God had heard Oh, you're stepping on my message this weekend. Stop. Sorry, just, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very, very, that's a very big thing. We, we definitely will touch right. on that. So yeah. we're going to talk about Mary and Elizabeth. We just... <laughs> Was that was that, that was a sign? an angel? It was an angel. <laughs> Quit Saint John. Stop. Pray. All right, let's pray. <laughs> God, we come to you now. We thank you so much for your word that guides us, that directs us, that teaches us. Uh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for for your uh, angels. And, and as we've talked about tonight, we see that your angels not only worship you and serve you, but they're also uh, mighty angels at work in our world and our lives. That uh, we may never be aware of. Lord, as we leave here tonight, I pray that you open our eyes to, to see, to be aware. And God, I thank you for the provision that your angels provide. It's so easy today to feel alone, to feel uh, isolated uh, in a world of connectivity. Um, it's staggering to think about how often we can feel disconnected and isolated. But your word teaches that uh, we're never alone. You're with us. Your Holy Spirit lives within us, and your, your angels are ministering to us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you all for being here. See you next week. Was the little man.